0: And God, we want you to take the place on the throne of our lives because when we put ourselves on the throne, God, we only mess up our lives. Our lives become imperfect. They become problematic. They become incomplete. They become powerless. But Father, when you are seated on the throne of our lives, we become powerful. We become potent. We become able. We become able to live our lives in such a way as them to matter them to have purpose them to have meaning father this morning lord we have a chance as we finish up our series good to great to really make that strong commitment to serving you above all else to putting you in the throne of our lives and i pray this morning that that would be the prayer of everyone here that father all of us would be fully committed to you in every way God, one of the ways that we can show our commitment to you is to be honest about our struggles, honest about our mistakes, honest about what the Bible calls sin in our lives. Father, we're just going to take a moment now, each of us individually, to go to you to ask for forgiveness for any of those mistakes, any of that brokenness, anything that needs to be forgiven in our lives. Let's just take a moment, each of us right now, and do that. And God, forgive us. Forgive us of our mistakes. And Father, forgive us when we do things that we don't want to do. And when we do the things that we really don't want to do. We don't do the things that we do want to do. Father, we pray this morning that we thank you. That because of what Christ has done. Because of his life and his death. His sacrifice for us. That we are able to have a new life. But not one that's supposed to be lukewarm and halfway. But, Father, a new life with meaning and purpose and power. And so, Father, this morning we just pray that you would help that new life be a part of our lives. Father, that you would just allow your spirit to come in and take over, seating you on the throne of our lives. Father, we pray for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in uh, the finale of our five-part series, Good to Great. And uh, we're going to be talking about these issues. And the thing I struggled with this week is how do you conclude a series that is not concludable? Um, How do you conclude a series that really is not a biblical idea to begin with in the sense that the Bible doesn't really look at how to convince people to stop being lukewarm? Why do I say that? Well, the Bible's desire is for all of us to be fully committed to God. And we see people who have moved out of lukewarmness into full commitment, but it's been through a lot of problems and a lot of issues, you know. And so the Bible doesn't really give us a 12-step program by which we can move out of lukewarmness. It kind of just says, look, lukewarmness is not of God. Being hot is of God. You have to choose between the two. For me to try to do a 12-step or a five-week series is difficult... And as always, I was worried, well not as always, but as always when I do something challenging like this, I was trying to figure out how to end the series so that it would end big rather than end small. And uh, I don't know if I did that in the first service, but I get a redo, what do you call it, mulligan. I get to do it over again here, and so I can do it better, perhaps. So good to great, well, I stole the title from Jim Collins, I stole the subtitle from Jim Collins, but nothing else. And uh, so if you haven't read the book, don't worry about it, it's a business book. But Jim Collins basically says that good is the enemy of great. Let me just say for a second, let's assume that you are a paper clip manufacturer. You have a paper clip manufacturing business. Uh, If you are the number 32nd paperclip manufacturer by sales out of 32 paperclip manufacturers, then you will desire to get better. Why? Because you're last place and you will naturally desire to get better. However, if you are paperclip manufacturer number four out of 32 paperclip manufacturers, you will not desire to get better. This is what Jim Collins' book is about. Why will you not desire to get better? Because you're good. You're not great, but you're good. And you know what comes with good? What comes with good is you still have $15 million in annual sales. You still have your beach house in Cancun. You still have all the perks and a million dollar a year salary. You still have everything that you need. And in order for you to get motivated to go from being number four to number one, you won't do it. Because you're just happy being good. And in fact, in Jim Collins' study, businesses never went from being number four to number one, except in very, very, very rare situations. That's why it's very difficult today for me to try to tell you how to go from being an average Christian or a lukewarm Christian or a sort of committed Christian to being a fully committed Christian. I I can't do that because being a fully committed Christian is what being a Christian is. We've been talking about Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, a little bit. haven't read it, but one of the challenging statements he makes in the book is that a lukewarm christian is not really a christian they're just religious people who are just lukewarm in their religiosity and so my hope for you today is that you will not be lukewarm that today will be the day where you say i am not going to be lukewarm anymore all right here's the deal our five-week series is not being lukewarm what that means how good is the enemy of great or how lukewarm is the enemy of hot let's just recap this real quickly we're not going to do every week for the last 4 Four weeks but here's where it got started in Revelation chapter 3, the Bible uses a first century metaphor to explain to us uh, the way that God wants us to live our lives. It uses the first century metaphor of the aqueduct in Laodicea, which was a famous aqueduct and the gist of the metaphor is that God wants us to be completely hot or completely cold. In the first century being cold was not bad. The Bible is probably not saying there. listen. Uh, love God or hate God, don't be in the middle. That's not what the Bible's probably saying there based on the first century metaphor. What it's saying is, is be completely sold out for God either as, a, as it manifests in a hot way or manifests in a cold way. Be completely sold out for God. You cannot be halfway. You cannot be in the middle. You cannot be lukewarm. You cannot be tepid. In the aqueduct system, when the lukewarm water came through in Laodicea, it was disgusting. It was nasty. It made people want to vomit out of their mouths when they stuck their mouth up to the aqueduct and, and drank it. It's the same way here. God desires for us to be committed to Him, fully committed to Him, not discommitted, not uncommitted, not partially committed to Him. And our challenge this morning is going to be to be fully committed to God and how that works out. Our strategy, then, that's what we talked about the first week when we were warming up. Over the next couple of weeks, smoldering, sizzling, uh, burning up. We talked about, uh, first of all, that in order to be really excited about God, that we have to experience God, that just sort of occasionally knowing about God or hearing God is not enough. It's not going to be enough to get us out of being lukewarm. Um, also, we talked about that we have to have sorrow over our mistakes, that it's not enough to think that I'm an okay person, I'm good enough, you know, everything's fine, but there actually has to be some sorrow in our lives that leads us to repent of our mistakes, that turns us away from the way we used to live, that turns us back towards God. We talked about um, our need to never give up, that the world is going to challenge us to not to be lukewarm because lukewarm is the best place from the enemy's perspective, right? Because you're not really a Christian Yeah, you might go to church. Yeah, you might, you know, give some money. Yeah, you might help out from time to time. But you're not really Christian and you're not really in the world. You're just kind of in the middle. And so... in in many ways, the Bible would argue that that's probably the best place the enemy would like you to be. Because when you're in the world, you know that there's something, you know, something messed up. All the drinking, all the boozing, all the crazy living uh, pushes you towards God because you know there's no answer there. But when you're just okay, when you're good, you don't feel the need to go towards being bad. You don't feel the need towards going going great. You're just good. You're okay. And that's what happened in Laodicea, right? Everyone there was so wealthy. Everyone had everything that they needed. They had all the food they needed. They had the clothing they needed. had the house they need, They were just okay. They were number four. The problem is in the church in the West, we have lots of number four Christians, number six Christians, number eight Christians. A lot of people here at BBC even are happy that, well, pastor, I would come in, you know, number 30th in my walk with God here at BBC. I'm really excited about that. No, that's not something for us to be excited about. We don't want to be number six, number eight, number 30, number 60, number 200. At least God doesn't want you to live that way and doesn't want you to be that way. Well, today we're going to do thermonuclear. We're no longer burning up. We're going to try for thermonuclear. I don't know if that's going to happen, uh, but if I can set off an explosion in your life for the Lord, then I'm going to try here this morning to do that. All right, here we go. Thermonuclear. Let's see what the Bible says. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't give a thermonuclear option. Um, It just sort of says you have to not be lukewarm. And so we're going to look at one example, though, I believe that covers the basis. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and uh, open, if you want to, open up your Bibles to Hebrews 12, because I'm going to look at it a couple times. It's going to be up on the big screen as well. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. All right, let's see what the Bible says. Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. All right, we skipped over a couple of verses there uh, that talks about that issue of dealing with repentance because we talked about that last week. Let's deal with this today. What makes a person go from lukewarm to hot? How can I challenge the church in the West? How can we as the church in the West decide that we don't want to be lukewarm anymore, that we want to be hot, that we don't want to be hot, that we want to be completely hot, that we want to be thermonuclear for God, that we want to be completely committed to Him above all else? How do we do that how do we transform lukewarm people into hot people well here's some things three ideas you don't have a handout don't focus don't worry about the handout today uh, we had technical difficulties but it's probably okay because i don't want you to fill in blanks i want to just see if we can walk through this together first of all we must set our focus on jesus let me tell you a story how many of you watch the biggest loser on tv anybody like that show the biggest loser okay eric does uh my wife does I don't know what that says about them. Every Wednesday night comes on, I find my wife watching it. I'm like, hey, Biggest Loser, how's it going? (laughs) And uh, sorry, it's it's okay. Uh, I don't mean it in a bad way it's just poking fun but you know what biggest loser if you've never seen on tv what's the purpose of it to lose weight right you got these people who are like 400 pounds and they come in and they're trying to lose weight and and the the winner whoever loses the most weight is considered the biggest loser considered winner but you know what the controversy was a couple weeks on the show i mean you know after a while everybody figures out how to game the system and you can do certain things in a given week whereby you're safe the next week from being kicked off guess what happens in the span of when a person uh, a certain some of the people who have been gaming the system recently when they win the pass that allows them not to be kicked off the show the next week guess what they do that week do they try to lose as much weight as possible or do they do what they didn't do anything and the host of the show was on you know late night or whatever talking about how they had gamed the system and figured out how the current set of contestants figured out how they could basically be on the show and not lose any weight which is not really the point right but yet the problem is is that most of us try to do the same thing. We want to be able to game the system with God. We want to try to be able to come to church, to be somewhat religious, to be sort of religious, to be sort of with Jesus, but you know what? To do what? To not really actually lose weight, to not really actually do anything, just sort of have the appearance of doing it, to go along with it and ultimately, in order for us to not be lukewarm, we have to put our eyes on the goal and run to the goal. We have to set our eyes on Jesus and to make him the goal of our faith. Let's talk about that and how this is going to turn us thermonuclear here this morning. First of all, we cannot focus our lives on both the world and God. This is what happens because the problem is, is that you go through life and it's easy for us people to think that Our mortgage company or our bank is more powerful than God. Our taxes are more important or more powerful than God. Our boss certainly is more powerful than God, right? Because our boss shows up in our office Monday morning, 9 a.m. demanding stuff from us and God doesn't show up in our office Monday morning, 9 a.m., and, sh- and demanding stuff from us. We think that these people are more powerful. We think that they're more significant. And it causes us to tend to focus our lives on both the world and God. Now, there's two issues here. There's just a the general issue, because the Bible tells us that we cannot serve two masters. I mean, that's just a, a general proverb, a general principle. And we cannot, on the one hand, serve our career, or serve our fame, or serve our ego, or serve our pride, or serve our money, and serve God as well. We cannot do both. But this is the problem with lukewarm people this is the problem with the church in Laodicea the church in Laodicea they had so much money and they had so much influence and so much free time and so much stuff that they were going on that they didn't try to do the world they tried to just simply do both they were committed to doing both that when it was good for them to do the world they did the world and then when they were committed to God they were trying to do that too here's what happens there's two paths every person has to choose in their life whether to go towards God let me not use I'm going to use that towards God so i keep my my directions right. Whether go towards what we want or whether to go in the direction that God wants. How many of you when you are in high school, remember when they asked you who was the smartest? Who was the most likely to succeed when you graduated? Most likely to succeed. How many of you, like, who was, I got, I didn't say this first service, I got loudest. Uh, mo- who is the most loudest, I got that, and uh, I got uh, most likely to succeed, okay, so that was cool, um, so uh, I, I think loudest, though, was definitely, definitely me, and, um, and so what happens is, is that, what's the other thing that we do, I use that as a, as a segue, what is the other thing that we do in high school around that time, we also do what, where will we be in 10 years, right, and so when you wrote down where you'll be in 10 years, is where you'll be in 10 years, were you really there? Or did it change? Let me ask you a question. What did you write down when you sit in high school when they asked you where in your yearbook, you know, under most loudest or most attractive or whatever, what did you put where you would be 10 years later? You know, there are guys that I went to high school with and under their where will I be in 10 years, they put uh, uh, surfing and drinking beer right and you know what 10 years later they're still doing the thing same thing kudos to them I guess for you know for for following through in their goals right I mean I got there's some goal setters there right and they they did it and uh you know but a lot of us we have these goals and we have these dreams and we have things that we set before us but you know what all of those goals and all of those dreams have to be second to God Otherwise, we will remain lukewarm. Here's what happens. If your goal is to do this, and God's goal for your life is to do this, this is what lukewarm Christians do. They say, okay, I'm going to take a step for God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do it. I'm a career, God, family, career, God. See if I can stretch it far enough. And then what happens with the lukewarm Christian? Fall flat on their face, right? Because you can't do both. You cannot do both. You cannot follow your own dreams and do what you want to do and also do what God calls you to do. There has to be a difference. We cannot focus our lives both on the world and God. You have to ultimately choose. That is the difference between being a lukewarm Christian and a Christian who is sold out completely for God. Because a Christian who is totally on fire for God does not accept anything of what they want and what the world wants. They do what God calls them to do. That is the definition of being hot. When God calls Calls us to do it, we do it. Listen, here's the thing. This is the cool thing, though, about Christ and about the Christian faith. Jesus' nature and example create a doable goal. One of the hardest things to do is when someone says, okay, I want to be on fire. I want to do this. I want to be for God. How do I do it, right? Well, you know what? We've talked about this before. If you go out here in, anywhere in the Bay Area, and you ask someone, on average, go down to the Great Mall, if you don't believe me today, go down to the Great Mall. You may have to do two people, but I, I think first person, 90% of you will get the same answer. Go and ask someone, tell me about your spirituality, tell me about your God, and how do you practice your spirituality? You know what you're going to get an answer? 99% of the people here in the Bay Area especially, you're going to get a 30-second answer with a lot of uh and ums in there. That's what you're going to get. Uh, well, um, so like I'm spiritual on the inside and uh, I try to be spiritual. Um, uh, and uh, um, uh, well, I'm a good person um, and every year I give to the benefit. Uh, and um, uh, you know, I uh, oh, uh, uh, I light candles at Christmas time, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever, you know, winter solstice, right? Uh, um, uh, what was the question again? That's the answer you're going to get, right? Because most people have no idea. They just have this generic spirituality that they're trying to follow. Why? Because it makes them feel good. And it makes them feel like they're, they're, they're on their path, but they're still kind of giving lip service to God. Here's the cool thing, though. Jesus' nature and example create a doable goal. What do I mean by a doable goal? Well, the Bible tells us that if we want to be hot for God, if we want to be on fire for Him, if we want to be committed to Him, that we do what? What? Simply follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That's doable. That's possible for us to simply follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You know, if you go to the gym, you know, you decide you need to lose a little weight, you want to get toned up, you whatever. You go to the gym and you see all these weights, you've never been to the gym before, you have no idea. Are you going to be very effective at accomplishing your goals? You won't. You'll be like, I don't know, should I pull this down? Should I lift this up? How many times? Whatever. You know, it takes practice. You have to learn how to do it. In the same way that many people approach faith the same way. They just show up at somewhere spiritual, or they just sort of, you know, pick and choose some verse from the Bible, or they just watch some dude on TV, and they think that somehow they're getting there with God, but they're not, because that's still within the lukewarm category. If you, remember we did the what if last week, right? I mean, if your spirituality is based upon something that you've done, then you're lukewarm. That would be the definition of that. The Bible tells us that to be hot for God, we follow after Jesus, that we are his disciples, that we walk in his footsteps. So it means that's what being a disciple means. Being a disciple means we do what he does, we, do, we obey what he calls us to do. That is the way that we move from being lukewarm to hot. Anything other than that is just lukewarm. Anything other than that is the definition of being lukewarm. Jesus' nature and example create a doable goal in our lives, and we follow that because it is the example, the path that he has given us to say. This is the thing that's funny, right? We are, lukewarm people are so busy trying to pa- plot out their, their, their lives, They're they're so busy trying to do what they need to do, and then they try to plot out what God wants them to do, sort of like, okay, I'm going to fit church in. I'm going to fit this in. I'm going to fit this in. And you know what the ironic thing is? The ironic thing is, is that God has given us these footprints that we follow, and that's all we have to do. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying the footprints are there. That when we follow Jesus' example, and we commit to doing that every single day, not Sundays, not Easter, Christmas, but every single day that we are following him, that is what opens the door. That commitment to do that, that discipline to do that, is what allows us to be not lukewarm, but to move towards being thermonuclear. That Jesus' nature and example creates a doable goal. It's something that's possible for us to do because of his example, because he has already showed us what we need to do and has called us to do those very things. You know, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but lots of people come to me and they say, Pastor, you know, God's not really telling me to do anything. If, God, if you feel God is not telling you to do anything, that's a, that's, a, that's a great example you're a lukewarm Christian. Because it means you have no idea what God wants you to do. No idea what God wants you to do means you don't really know him very well. Not knowing you very well means that you, you're not going to be able to, to do what he says. Now, of course, I'm talking about people who've been a Christian for a while. If you've been a Christian for a week and you don't know what God wants you to do, welcome to the club. We've all been there. That's what happens, right? Okay, we're not talking about people who've been saying they've been a Christian for, for a week. But if you've been a Christian for five years and you don't know what God wants you to do, in general, I'm not talking about specifically, okay, but in general, it's a break, breakdown there, lukewarm. It's crept into your life. You gotta get that lukewarmness out of there. You gotta be hot for God. Jesus' nature example created doable go for us. Listen, God made a plan that is not generic or confusing. If you love God, follow Jesus. That is what it requires for us to do. If you want a surefire definition of not being lukewarm, just do whatever Jesus would do. Just do what he does, follow him, follow in his footsteps, and you will be there. You will be there. Secondly, real quickly, is that we must give up everything. Now, I know some of you are gonna say, wait a minute, Pastor, I don't like this because you've been telling me for a long time that I don't have to give up everything and move to Africa and be a missionary to be on fire for God. Well, that's true. You don't. But I'm going to nuance that a little bit today. Because in order for you to be on fire for God, you have to be willing to give up everything. Let me give you two examples. First of all, the world even tried to get Jesus to be lukewarm. You know, Jesus was going through his life. Let me just read this because this is crazy, crazy here. The Bible says this. Think of all, Hebrews 12, 3, think of all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up, right? You know, Jesus himself, when he was going and trying to be hot and trying to do everything that God asked him to do, that when he did did it successfully, completely successfully, I might add, when he did it, people, the world did not let up trying to convince him to not follow God's plan, but to follow his own plan. Listen, if you think the world is going to allow you to be hot for God, without giving you any static or any problems, you're fooling yourself. It's not the way it's going to be. But here's the beauty of it. Because Christ has already done it first, you are capable of following in his footsteps. You are capable of being motivated by that. Listen, I don't know what your sport or what your hobby is, okay? You know, CJ, his favorite hobby is knitting. Did you, I don't know if you know that or not. And he loves to knit. He's out there knitting all the time, you know, and just knitting, 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 right? And, you know, a couple years ago, he had the opportunity to see the world champion knitter. I mean, this lady was knitting like crazy and just the fastest, huge, Guinness Book of World Records in knitting, right? Amazing. And you know what? Seeing all that knitting, seeing the power of that knitting, caused him to be motivated to be what? a better knitter. If she can do it, I can do it. If you go to the gym and you see someone pumping a lot of weight and you're trying to get up to that, it motivates you to do that. If you see someone who's successful in their career and you want to be successful, it motivates you to be successful, doesn't it? Listen, Christ's example for us should motivate us to be able to be like him. We see what he endured and we see that he was successful in following God's plan and being thermonuclear in our lives, it should motivate us to be equally thermonuclear in our lives. Now, some of you may say, oh, pastor, but, you know, Jesus is God's son. Jesus, Jesus was fully divine. He, 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 had a, he has an edge on us that we don't have. He is super powerful, and we are just weak. But you know what? We will never experience one iota of the struggle that Jesus experienced. Because he was the Son of God that the world threw everything it could at him, we only get a small percentage. So you know what? It balances out. We are able to be motivated by Jesus' example to be thermonuclear, to be hot. You know (laughs) here's the thing about being hot in the church in Laodicea, the church in the West. As a pastor, this fourth church I've pastored, and I've learned, you learn as a pastor that you never gauge someone by their looks, meaning how they look at you on Sunday morning. Because invariably you'll have somebody on Sunday morning going, you know, like this while I'm speaking and then next Sunday they'll come back and they're like, Pastor, I'm point three, I was really thinking about that and you mentioned this and I wanna know what, you know, and I'm like, "You, but you were asleep. <laughs> how do you know that, right? But so you can't ever judge people by their looks. But there, but there are some universal truths that I've found Uh, Looking out over uh, different, very different groups of people over the years, is that when you talk about this issue of being hot, and or this issue in general of doing things for the kingdom and following Jesus' example, you know what the most common look I always get back is? It's the "who me" look. Who me? You're, You're not talking about me, Pastor. I mean, I know I'm not hot for God, but I'm not. I'm not you know like cold for Him. I'm not like. I'm just sort of in the middle. I'm just lukewarm. The who me look is the ultimate lukewarm experience because you're not, it's not me that pastor's talking about. It's not me that the Bible's talking about, it's someone else. And yet, and as lukewarm people, we become excellent at rationalizing away what God is calling us to do. We become excellent at it. Hey, you know what? I don't, you know, I'm supposed to go to the gym on Tuesday, but you know, I just I got so much work and I got family thing, and I just rationalize it away, right? I have a water rower. Right? And I'm supposed to row three times a week, right? To, to get the cardiovascular going and stuff. And it's like got water in it. It's really cool. It's like a professional unit and stuff. And it's, so it's hard because, you know, it's like rowing a boat, you know, for miles and stuff. And you know what? I'll tell you what. Before I'm supposed to row, I'll tell you what, my brain is working overtime to rationalize all the reasons why today I cannot row. I can't do it. I got meetings. I got. Uh, why it needs attention, not that I would play why otherwise, right? Uh, my wife needs attention, not that I would give her attention otherwise. I mean, I come up with all kinds of excuses of why I don't want to do it, and I rationalize it away. You know what? You might be a lukewarm Christian if you rationalize away all the time and by the way, I'm not talking about like, we all rationalize away. Well, I don't have to go to church today because uh, I've got a meeting later today I've got to prepare for. We all do that rationalization. That, that is not even on the lukewarm thing. You know what a great lukewarm rationalization is? Who, me? Well, you don't understand, pastor, because you're talking about me doing things and giving up stuff, but you don't understand because you know the Bible talks about us being the body of Christ and I'm with that, but you know what? I'm the pinky. I'm just a pinky. You know what the pinky does? You don't even need the pinky for the hand. The pinky's just there to support everything. I just come to church on occasion uh, and I support other people. That's my role in the kingdom. You might be a lukewarm Christian if you believe that baloney. I'm just a little toe, pastor. Did you know that evolutionary people, evolutionists tell us that the toes are going to fall off of our bodies in like 20,000 years because humans don't use them very much, so we won't need them. They're superfluous. I'm just a little toe. I just help things go along. I just get along with people. That's my calling. Here's the problem, is that the church in Laodicea and the church in the West, people believed that their role was to just be the pinky or to be the little toe. But that, my friends, is a rationalization that lukewarm people use to convince themselves that God doesn't want to use them because they don't want to actually do anything difficult that will challenge them to actually live for God in their lives. You know, people come in all the time, not, not as much here in the Bay Area, but certainly when I was in North Carolina, and they would say, well, you know, in New York, too, is really bad about this. They would say, well, pastor, I'd say, hey, can you, you know, let's, let, what ministry do you want to get involved in? What can you do for your community? Well, what does what, what God call you to do? And they say, well, pastor, um, God's called me. To to work in my regular job and to give a little extra in my tithe so that I can provide for other people to do ministry. You know what that is? That's a lukewarm Christian right there. That's what that is. That's just a lukewarm Christian because they, they are rationalizing away what God's plan is for their lives. Oh, if you're Bill Gates, then you and I can have that conversation, okay? Maybe if Bill Gates became a Christian, uh, maybe he could then argue, God made me wealthy so that I can benefit other Christians. All right, but you're not Bill Gates, none of you, I don't think. If you are, I don't know what to say to you. But you're not Bill Gates. And you know what? That's cool because you're not a pinky either. You're not a little toe either. That's just a rationalization that you've made up in your mind's to just not allow God to do what he wants to do with you. What happens, right? One step here, one step here, one step here, one step here, and lukewarm Christians, lukewarm people, they just fall flat on their face because they're not, they can't choose between the world and choose between God. You cannot be hot as long as you rationalize away your faith. And rationalize away what God is calling you to do. And you know what? I've been in churches and churches and churches and churches. And here in the West, in the church of Laodicea, we have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Sunday morning people who just rationalize away their faith. And I'm telling you this morning, please don't do it. How do I know that? Because I know that because when you look at all the people in the Bible, when you look at all those people in the Bible, Jacob, Peter, Paul, you look at all the people in the Bible, you know what? Every one of them started off as just complete idiots or losers most of them they were against god they hated god they didn't want to have anything to do with god maybe they were maybe they were doing something different in their lives but they were focused on themselves and what they want they knew what they wanted to do and when god came their way they did not ultimately they had to learn but the way that they became hot was no longer rationalizing away what god wanted them to do oh yeah they started there there was some rationalizing at the beginning look at moses Look at Jacob, look at Peter, rationalizing away. But ultimately, at some point in time, they'd said, you know what? No more of this. I'm not going to put one foot on one side and one foot on the other side. I am going to be fully committed to serving God above all else. Above all else. No ifs, no ands, no buts. So here's the thing the only way to save what is most precious in our lives is to lose it. That's it. Everything you keep, everything that's on this path, everything that you're walking towards and building towards, you will lose because it's all about you. Everything that you want to keep, everything that's worthwhile has to be on this side. Everything that God wants you to do is what will be worthwhile in your life. But the little things, the little trinkets, the little things you do, those are just distractions to keep you lukewarm. They're just distractions to keep you lukewarm. You know what? If you really want to lose weight... Well, I want to be—I'm going to be neutral here. I want to try to be fair. But if you really want to lose weight, and by the way, I don't—I'm—I'm I'm just going to tell you right now. You can laugh at me. You can disagree with me. But just—I'm just using it as an example. So, you know, I know that our our whole world and industry works on you have to be a size zero, right, ladies? You have to be a size zero to be successful and to be beautiful. And that's baloney, okay? Just that's baloney. All right. Um, but if if you feel that you want to be more in fit or more in shape or whatever, you know, there's a whole cottage industry on tv late at night to convince you that all you need to do is take a pill and you'll be and you'll lose weight right or it's you just need to do this little thing or get an ab blaster and and you'll lose all your weight and you'll get be in shape and all this other stuff right And people always continue to buy that stuff, why? Because they want just the easy solution without doing it. They wanna feel good about it. They buy the exercise equipment, and I'm guilty of this, they buy the exercise equipment, they put it in their house and they say, look at my beautiful exercise equipment. But yet they don't do it. Look at the beautiful Bible I have that my mom got for me, but yet I don't use it because I'm just lukewarm. I'm just not committed. I'm just sort of in the middle. One foot on one side, one foot on the other, and that's really about it. Not committed at all. The only way to save, the only way to get right with God, the only way to have victory is to be completely about God. If you want to be a victor in this life, victory comes by being completely sold out to God, according to the Bible. Nothing else, nothing else. God may not call you to be a missionary in Africa, but don't do the who me to me don't do it to God because God is calling you to do something meaningful in your life. And it's not just to sit in a pew. It's not to rationalize away. It's not to say, well, pastor, you don't know me. I have this problem. I have this issue. I have this. Hang-. It's all just rationalizing. I can't get to the gym. My car won't start. I've got meetings. I've got, it's all just rationalization. That's what it is. And the older you get, the better you get at rationalizing away because the smarter you get and the more experience you get at making excuses, right? That's right. That's the truth. It's not easy to hear, but that's the truth. I'm good at making excuses. Let me tell you. I, mean, I didn't tell you this first service. but this, I mean, you, want, you, want, you want to know the best way to make excuses? Read the Bible really carefully because then you know where all the, like, like the little fine lines are. You know what I mean? I can make excuses about my spiritual life better than anyone I know. I guarantee you. I'll go to the mat with any of you on that. Okay? Because the nature of being human is that we want to make excuses instead of following God. We will never be hot. We will not approach thermonuclear as long as we do that. Real quickly here, we've been talking about service. Let me just hit this here at the end. Not enough time as always, but thirdly, we must gracefully lead others as well. In order for us to be committed to God and thermonuclear and hot in our relationship is going to require us to lead other people towards God as well. You cannot get, you, I do not believe this will happen, and I can prove it, I think, from looking at different people in the Bible, for example, Peter, Paul, Jacob, Moses, some of those people I talked about, that if, your spiritual life is like a hockey stick, you know, an exponential curve, right, upwards, then for you to get thermonuclear is when you hit that exponential curve. I can pretty much say with some amount of, uh, 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 of uh, data behind me that the way that you will get to the hot, to the, to the, Hockey stick. The way you'll get to the exponential curve is that you will be following Jesus, and at some point in time, in following Jesus, shortly after you become committed to following Him, you will start teaching and leading other people to Jesus. You will make disciples, and when you do that, that is when that will take off. That is when you will go to being thermonuclear. Serving and teaching others is where it's at. You must learn God's plan for our life to serve others. Listen, here's the problem. Sometimes people come into BBC for the first time and they'll be like, hey, pastor, I'm so-and-so, and uh, I want to get involved in helping out with, uh, I, I want to I do ministry, uh, I want to, I and they never say something small. They're always like, you know, I want to feed everyone in San Jose. I'm going to start here this week. Let's feed everyone in San Jose. Um, or they'll say, I want to do this, I want to do that. And you know what always happens when I dig a little deeper after like three minutes with those folks is that I find out they have crazy problems in their lives. They're homeless themselves. They have significant uh, psychological or spiritual needs or emotional needs in their lives. Why do people with greatest needs come to the church with a desire to solve everyone else's needs? Why is that the case? Because it's easier to, solve other people's needs than it is to solve your need how many times (laughs) let me just ask it this way if you're married here is it hard to point out your spouse's problems (laughs) no that's easy you got a list of a thousand problems with your spouse i mean just come on rattle them off right now they're going through your mind just like the you know the cycling through your mind right but when your spouse points out your problems, what do you say? Uh-uh, that's not me. You don't know me. We've been married 30 years. You don't know me. Uh-uh. Right? But yet we know that they're true because those we don't like to admit it, but those really are some problems that we have. We don't like nobody likes to point out their problems to each other, but here's the thing. The thing is is that it's always easier to serve and to change and to help someone else if we're not willing to do it ourselves. Let me say it another way. People come to me for counseling all the time and, and, and they'll say, you know, I'd really like to, once I get done with counseling here or at some point in my life, I'd really like to help people with this. You know why? That's the reason why is because their house is on fire and they just want to help someone else put out their own fire. But you can't do that until you put out the fire in your house. You cannot put out someone else's fire until you put out the, your own fire in your life. Let me give you one more example. On the airplanes, when the, you go through the emergency crash and, and the air thing comes down, what do they always tell you? you got to put it on your mouth first, then put it on everyone else's mouth. Most people, the natural desires do what? Help the other person, change the other person, fix the other person first. You cannot do that way. You will not be successful. You have to be committed to God first. You have to be training. You have to be victor. You have to be, dis, you have to be disciplined. You have to be committed to God first above all else before you will do any good to anyone else. But when you become committed, you will not be a pinky, you will not be a little toe, you will see that naturally out of your lives, it will be normal for you to teach and serve other people. You will not help but do it, you will do it. And when you do it, that's when the hockey stick takes over because you'll be teaching other people, you'll be making disciples. You know, there's an old saying that if you don't really learn something until you can teach someone else or show someone else how to do the same thing right? It's one thing for me to try to fix my car. It's another thing for me to teach someone how to fix a car. Those are two totally different things. Most lukewarm Christians are just happy muddling through, pretending to fix their car, while meanwhile it sits up on four risers in their yard. But to be thermonuclear, you're not just fixing your own car, you're actually helping other people fix their car as well. Oh, I know. Who me? I see all the who, I see, I, I see all the who me's right now oh, I can't teach, I can't tell anyone, who am I, who me, who me, I'm just a pinky, I'm just a little toe. No, you're not. That's just a rationalization that you've been convincing yourself of for years. And it's a lie. And you know what, it's a lie that will damage your life and destroy your spirituality faster than anything else because it's a rationalization, it's a lie you've made up to convince yourself that God doesn't want to use you, but God does want to use you. You know what all the people in the Bible? I know people look at me funny, but I can't help it. My Old Testament professor was too good in this area. You know, the the and too convincing. Everybody who's in the Bible except for Jesus, they were all knuckleheads, morons and idiots. They were. I know we call them saints now, but look at what they did. They were idiots. They lived their life like idiots. They only not stopped being an idiot when they committed their life to God and God got a hold of them. And shortly after that period, they started serving God completely and it was natural for them to turn everyone else around them also to following God too. They were knuckleheads. They had who me looks too. I guarantee you. I mean, Moses was the most ultimate who me. God came to him, spoke to him directly. He's like, who me, God? Choose someone else. I can't talk. That's a good rationalization. Uh, I can't talk. So, uh, I mean, would he make that up in spur of the moment? Did he invent that? I mean, come on. That's that's not a good one. I was being sarcastic. At least he could have said something like, uh, you know, God, uh, I don't speak their language. (laughs) I mean, something, make up something more realistic, you know. We must learn God's plan for our lives in order to serve others, and we will find this is the case. We will find that as we serve and grow, we will naturally teach others. We will make disciples of other people. So here's I'm gonna end right here. I'm not gonna flesh this out a whole lot because you know what? If you're not committed to serving God completely, if you're not if you're still trying to do this like this, and stretch yourself between the two, you're not gonna to get to this point anyway. But if you're at the if you're at that point where you're at the base of the hockey stick and you're ready to explode and be thermonuclear for God, then you get your life right with God, completely, serving Him completely. And then when you do that, when you're following Jesus, it will be natural for you to teach and lead other people to knowing God. How, how do you do it? Well, I'm not going to deal with that here, but you follow Jesus and you will have the answer. That's, that's the best thing I can tell you this morning. You follow Jesus and you'll have the answer. It'll be natural for you to talk about God. It'll be natural for you to reflect on God. It'll be natural for you to serve Him. You know what? I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll say it here, and you'll, some of you will be mad. But, you know, a lot of times, uh, ladies come to me, and they'll say, and this is just my opinion. I mean, I think it's biblical, but they'll come to me, and they say, my husband's not a believer. What do I do? And I'll say, you know what? You've got to serve him like Jesus would serve him. You've got to serve him with the same love that Jesus has for you. And you know what? They laugh at me. They're like, oh. <laughs> No, I mean, this is like, if you're here and you're thinking, oh, this is the conversation I had, pastor, uh, this is conversation I have every single, single lady I've ever had, same conversation, okay? I mean, single coming to church lady. Let's say, pastor, I can't do that. I can't, I mean, <laughs> I can't do that. That would be too hard, too difficult. Okay, but that's what you're called to do, right? God, and it will happen naturally, by the way, God has defined us and designed us to be able to help people and every single one of us God wants you to be not the little pinky but has a specific plan for your life that involves teaching and leading other people into good relationship with God. It will happen naturally when you make that commitment but until you make that commitment as long as you're being lukewarm it's never going to happen. So today you have to decide. You have to decide whether you're going to be willing to give everything up for God or whether you're going to stay lukewarm. If you stay lukewarm you're never going to be happy you're never going to be satisfied because you're going to be living a lie. You're going to be Uh, surfing and drinking beer, right? But then at the same time, you're gonna be going to church. And you know what? Those two things don't go together. Not the surfing and going to church doesn't go together. It's because you're living your life for yourself and you're living your life for God and trying to do both and you can't do both. So you have to decide. Let's pray. Father, I just come before you this morning, Lord, and I pray for all the folks here. Lord, I know it's not easy to hear, and I know it's very difficult to do, but Father, I pray that, that each person here would decide to follow you above all else, that would commit their lives to you above all else, that they would experience a thermonuclear explosion of your love and grace in their lives because they are serving you and they are committed to you. Father, I pray this morning that they would naturally reach out. Um, to everyone and it would be just it would just come out of who they are that they would teach other people that they would challenge other people that they would serve other people father it's just natural it's just the way it works father i pray this morning for every person here that you would bless them encourage them in jesus name amen